Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Well, are you ready for the Word of God this morning? I'm ready. I'm ready to, to give it. Do you know, uh, as, as Jay said, we're entering into the, the Holloway, Halloween season, and um, it's so, it's so weird to me how, like, you walk around the neighborhoods and, like, the decorations are going up and there's, like, goblins and there's skeletons and, like, it's so weird if you think about it. Isn't it weird that we love to put up scary things and to be, to be scared by this stuff? It's strange, especially if you're in junior high. Do you have any junior hires in here? Anybody might be or just coming out of junior high? Junior hires love to be scared. For so, it's weird. Junior hires are weird for so many reasons. Uh, but one of them is they just love to be scared. It's strange, Matt. We love you. I'm not, I love that you love to be scared, but um, uh, we appreciate you. But they're just, you're just weird, all right? It's just a phase. But you, it's going to, I don't know what else to say. They're just kind of, you know, they're wonderful kids. Um, but it's strange that we just love to be scared. We love this, this idea of, of scary things, especially during the Halloween season. And I'm I want to let you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to trick-or-treating or dressing up or going around door-to-door. I've done it as a little kid. My, my kids, uh, they'll, they'll do it. I'm not opposed to it. But it did remind me of something uh, during this hol- holiday season, during the, the Halloween season. And uh, over the last, I'd say, three, three to four weeks, I had four people in our church come to me and talking about um, either being cursed or having somebody in their family being cursed, or feel like they were under a curse. In the last three to four weeks, just in our, our small gathering, four different people came to me and talked about that and, and asked me, what, what should I do? H- how do I get rid of this curse? Or uh, I feel like this curse that was over me was broken, but it took so long to, to break. And have you ever experienced that before? Do you know anybody in your, maybe in your family or maybe you that somebody put a, tried to put a curse on you or has put a curse on you? Anybody? Raise your hand if that's ever... Yeah, a lot of us. A lot of us. And part of it is, is cultural, right? Because you ask a bunch of white people if they've ever had curses on them, they're like, what are you talking about? Like somebody, yeah, that one guy cussed me out down the street, but they don't know, you know, it's a cultural thing, but... But it reminded me that, that our culture is moving more exceedingly more wicked in that direction. In fact, last night, I don't know if you saw this on the news or not, but the new Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh, there was a, a group of, of uh, Wiccans and witches that gathered in, the, uh, in Brooklyn last night, had a huge festival to put a hex and a curse on him because they didn't want him to be our Supreme Court Justice. I mean, kind of newsflash, he already is, but secondly... They, they, wanted to, they wanted to curse him. Did anybody hear that on the news or see that at all? They did that last, they did that last night. And they were advertising it. They were selling tickets, and they were, selling the, the pro, they were giving the proceeds of the tickets, $10 each, to Planned Parenthood as a support for them. And now, I don't know where you fall on the political spectrum. I'm sure we, are, we have a wide range of, of, of people. But I, I do know that we are not on the side of the devil. Would you agree? And so if, if, if any, at any time the devil is wanting to, to curse a man who's going to be leading in our nation, we decide to bless him. And we, wanna, we want, it doesn't matter where you fall on the, on the spectrum, you always want to bless your leaders, not curse them. Amen? Would you agree with that? But it demonstrated to me, it was as if this message was so poignant, poignant and timely, because I didn't work on this message 
after that happened and after I heard about it, I, after I had finished my message, uh, my wife, we were driving back from Sacramento and she was in the back seat with the boys and she's like, this is crazy and played the, played the um, recording of, of the interview about this curse and hex that people were trying to put. And it just demonstrates that our culture is growing more and more wicked as the days continue. And because of that, so that story happened last night, and the, and the three or four conversations, the four conversations I had in the last three weeks, combined with the Halloween season, it reminded me of the fact that you and I are in a spiritual battle as followers of Jesus. I don't know if you caught this or not, but I'm wearing camo. Some of you probably couldn't even see me. You were thinking, where's that voice coming from? Here I am, Pastor Josh. But I wore this as a symbol for us today that we are in a spiritual battle. That, that you and I, we don't really have a choice because there's an enemy out there who is seeking our demise. He is desiring for us to be destroyed, for us to crumble, for us to fall, for us to be devastated. That is his purpose and passion in life, to destroy you. And when you become a believer, it intensifies, it doesn't get less. Did you know that? Some of you are thinking, hey, that doesn't sound right. I thought when I came to Jesus, he... He freed me from the, the power of darkness and he set me free and so life should be easier now and life should be simpler now because I'm walking with Jesus. If that's your understanding of Christianity, can I tell you that you have it wrong? Do you know that the enemy fights hardest against those who threaten his kingdom? And because you stepped into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness, he no longer has authority over you so he attacks you now more than he's ever attacked you before. That battle intensifies when you walk with Jesus because now you've moved into the area of threat. You've become a weapon against the enemy. He fights you. Now, does the devil fight the Wiccans and the witches? No, he already has them. In fact, he's going to try to make their lives easier, make their lives simpler so they think they've got something that no one else has. But he fights the believer because he, the believer is the one who carries the light into the darkness. And so you and I, as, as people who surrender to Jesus, we will encounter now, and the, the battle will intensify the more we pursue Jesus. In fact, as I was writing this message, I, I, I felt like I was struggling to get the words together, and I could feel almost like a, a demonic oppression pushing against me as I was writing these words. I felt like this is a message for us in this season right now. Some of us need to know this, and yet the enemy was pressing hard, like confuse, trying to confuse my mind, trying to confuse my thoughts as I was trying to put everything together. And I felt like, man, this is, I don't know if this message is going to come across the way it should, but as I continued to pray, I began to see the thing break, the clouds lift, and the Spirit of God give me words for you this morning. These words are for you. I would encourage you to take hold of them, take them to heart, because the power of God is wanting to minister to you today and equip you for the battle. Can I say this, that the devil isn't waiting for someone to curse you. He already is trying to curse you every day. He's not waiting for you to develop an enemy who speaks words against you and tries to practice witchcraft against you. He is already trying to plan and scheme things to destroy you day in and day out. Sometimes he's just trying to lull you to sleep so that you won't be a threat to him. And so I, I began to pray and ask the Lord to give me wisdom and to speak the, the, this message to you. And now we're going to dive into this, 
this, this topic of the fight. We are in a fight. And I want to break down this message into two messages because I don't want to rush through this because I really believe that there's a roadmap for us for victory if we will follow what Paul writes in, in Ephesians chapter 6. He, he gave us the answer because if we're, in a fa- if we're in a fight, if we're in a battle, the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, one, how do we prepare? And two, how do we win? Yes? That should be the question you're asking yourself right now. If I'm in a battle, how do I prepare? How do I win? Just like a boxer would never go into the ring without preparing and training and conditioning, or else they get knocked out first round, you and I, as believers in Jesus, need to be preparing and and, and, and training and conditioning and building up our stamina in prayer so that we can enter into the battles of life and win. And so I believe that Paul gave us this understanding, and it's, and he, it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. And this, this chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, talk about the armor of God. I'm sure some of you have heard messages on the armor of God, talking about the breastplate, the belt, the sword, Right? But there's a key ingredient that we often miss because we rush straight to the armor. And the ingredient is found in verses 10 through 13. This is what Paul says, starting in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. First, to overcome the enemy to break the curse that's on your life or to break the curse that's on your family or, or the, the, the curse that is on your neighborhood because that happens. To win the battle that you're in and that your family is in, you need to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty strength. But how do we do that? It's not enough to say to be strong in the Lord and, and, and the might of His strength. We need to know how we do it. And notice that the word that Paul starts verse 10 with is finally. He says that, it's basically like saying in summation or in total, because of everything I've said previously, now be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So where else does Paul talk about the strength of the Lord? Great question. Lucky for you, I did my homework. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And Paul is praying that we would know something about God's strength. And he starts in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. How do we know that Paul is praying? He tells us, I have assumed a posture of prayer. I am bowing. You know it's important how you pray, the posture of your body when you're praying. As a demonstration, sometimes you lay flat on your face. It demonstrates you're being humble before the Lord. You're on your knees. It's a vulnerable space before the Lord. Sometimes your body will lead where your spirit needs to go. And so Paul, he, he bows on his, his knees before the Lord, and he says this, from whom every family from heaven and earth is named, every family, notice that he says that, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and width and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
So how do we know and walk in the strength and might of God? We recognize and know that we are loved by God. His love for us gives us strength. Knowing that we are immensely and intensely loved by God gives us strength. And now you might be asking a second question. How does knowing the love of God strengthen us for the battle against the enemy? I don't want to just give you what they would say is platitudes or phrases that make you feel good in the moment. I want to give you practical steps of knowing what it means to walk in the love of God that gives you strength to defeat the enemy. So we don't stop at just saying the strength of the Lord is knowing you're loved by Him. Strength of the Lord comes understanding that, that there's power in love. How do I know this? Because what, what is the main tool the enemy uses to, to fight against us? It's fear. I think Halloween is a big demonstration of that. We're trying to be scared. It's the, the devil used, uses that. He likes to intimidate us. He likes to tell you you're not going to make it. He likes to put pressure on you. And what is anxiety that so many people are dealing with in our society right now? It's because of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of, of what may happen. The enemy works in us or works to, against us through fear. But what does the Bible say combats fear? It's found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 18, that love, perfect love, casts out fear. Who is the one who is perfect? Jesus. His love for you is perfect. So if you know that the perfect one loves you with a perfect love, and you realize that and walk in that, no fear can come against you. The power of God's love pushes out fear. It conquers it. It destroys it. And the enemy works through fear. So if you know that you are loved by God, then his perfect love come against the fear of the enemy in your life. When we understand that, God, the, the, that the love of God for us, that we're covered by his love, that the, the tools and the devices of the enemy are destroyed because of the power of this love, then we can walk in the strength and the might of the Lord. If you know that God loves you, then the enemy cannot destroy you. God does not allow the enemy to destroy the things that he loves. And you walk in his love. If you are loved by God and that love fills your heart, then you can know that no curse of the enemy can separate you from the love of God or his plans or purposes for your life. There's another part where Paul uses that language of breadth and height and length and depth of God's love, and we find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. So if the love of Jesus is in you and for you, nothing can come against you. No curse of another person, no plan of the enemy can defeat the ones that are loved by God and walk in the love of God. Know this, recognize this, and stand against the enemy. Stand firm in the love of Jesus over you 
It doesn't matter what words have been spoken or what black magic has been tried to be done on you. The power of Christ defeats it. Because nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Nothing. No enemy. No curse from anyone or anything else. No family curse from your past can separate you from the love of Jesus today, right now. Nothing can separate you. And if nothing can separate you from his love, then you can walk in his love. No fear can overtake you because his love casts out fear. What else does love do for us? It reminds us of our identity. A lot of times we get anxious or we grow fearful because we forget who we are. You are created in the image of God. You bear the likeness of God. You belong to God. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you belong to Jesus. You are, the Bible says, co-heirs with Christ, meaning what he has inherited, we shall also inherit. And the enemy can't take that away from you, just like he can't take it away from, from Jesus. He tried on the cross, but Jesus turned that around and then gave his inheritance to us. And so you and I need to recognize who we are. And when you feel the enemy trying to oppress you, you need to remind him who you are and who you belong to and take authority over him in the power of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. If he comes in, the Bible says, like an enemy comes in like a flood, God raises the standard. What's the standard? The standard was a flag, a banner, that they would carry into war to demonstrate that we are moving in this direction and we have the victory. So when the flood of the enemy comes against you, God raises his war flag and says, I'm fighting for you. I'm marching ahead of you because I, I know that who you are. I know your name and you belong to me. Standing firm in the love of Jesus. It's not just a cutesy, hippie, rainbows and butterflies kind of love. It is a powerful demonstration of the love and power of God that conquered darkness and continues to conquer darkness. We walk in our identity. Our identity frees us from fear and frees us from the powers of darkness. You are a child of light, the Bible says. I don't know if you've ever walked into a room and it was dark and you turned on the light and then the light and the darkness began to fight. Who's going to rule in this room? The light that I turned on or the darkness in the corner? It's like, no, that never happens. There is no fight between dark and light. You turn on the light, darkness flees. And some of you, you think... Because of a curse that's been spoken over you, you feel like light and dark are battling in your life. But the Bible says that you are light. You are the light of the world. Where the light is, there cannot be darkness. So where the power of God is in your life, there cannot be the power of evil. He may try to oppress, but you push him off in the name of Jesus. You belong to God. You are his. And you are ambassadors that carry the light. So there are people in your family that are dealing with this, that are struggling, that are wrestling with this. You be the light in their situation. You step into the dark place and you rebuke the devil. You rebuke him. For the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? The Bible also says, greater is he 
that is in us than he that's in the world. So we stand on a firm foundation this morning. You stand with authority. You stand with power. You stand with might. Going back to that story of the witches trying to place a hex on Kavanaugh, the news, they also interviewed a Roman Catholic exorcist. They go for training to the Vatican. They'll spend two or three years learning how to be an exorcist. And I don't know about all that, but he did say something that I found interesting and I thought was powerful. He said this in the interview. He said, he has seen hexes and curses cause a lot of harm to some people, but he realized and recognized those under grace, meaning those who belong to Jesus, there is little to no effect. If a Roman Catholic exorcist knows the truth that the enemy cannot touch those who are under the grace of God, do you know it as well? That you are under the blood of Jesus and the enemy comes to try to attack, but who does he meet first? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He can't touch you. He doesn't have permission. You belong to Jesus. You're under the blood of Jesus. So it doesn't matter what plans or schemes the enemy has to destroy you. We stand with God. We belong to God. There's a saying, God before me, God behind me. God beside me, God within me. God is in you. Jesus walks with you. He stands beside you so that no weapon formed against you will prosper in the name of Jesus. I love it. It's important to remember the devil is a liar. So anything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. He cannot speak truth to you. He doesn't know that language. He only knows the language of lies and intimidation and threat and fear. So anytime you feel a darkness try to cloud over you, remind him he's a liar. He doesn't belong there. Verse 11 says that the enemy is scheming against us. He's planning our demise. He's trying to cause us to fall or to walk away. And I want you to, to be reminded that in this life there is no neutral zone. There is no spiritual Switzerland, okay? You can't take a, all right, devil, I won't do anything to you. You don't do anything to me. I'm just going to mind my own business. There is no place like that in the spirit realm. There is either he has you or he does not. And if he does not, he wages war against you. In fact, he wages war really against anybody because he hates us all. He wants us all to be destroyed. He wants us all to be condemned. He wants us all to suffer the same punishment that he has. So he wages war against us but more so those who belong to Jesus. I want to remind you, verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I think some of us need to be reminded that our fight is not with people. Our fight is not with that co-worker who keeps bad-mouthing us, our fight is not with those who oppress us at school 
or even at home. Our fight is not against that neighbor who just so happens to always throw his trash on our side of the fence. Our fight is not with those who are trying to see our marriages fail. Our fight is with the enemy. We have one enemy, one common threat against us as believers who seeks to take us out and will use anyone or anything to do it. But I want you to keep your focus. I want you to keep your eyes at the battle at hand. Not against people, but against the devil. I would love the saying that says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We have a common enemy. So it doesn't matter how you feel about necessarily the people in the room or the person sitting next to you. Hopefully you love them. But it does not matter. You have a common enemy. And the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Not only because we belong to Jesus, we're in the body of Jesus, but we have in this war one threat. And it's the devil. And he knows the power of unity. He knows the power of community. So he tries to separate us, divide us, cause us to badmouth each other and lie about each other and slander each other and not like each other because he knows that the enemy of our enemy is our friend. Lastly, I want you to be reminded that when we fight, we fight not for victory, but we fight from victory. The place that we're, from where you fight dictates what happens in the battle. If any of you have ever studied military strategy, those who have the high ground have the upper hand. There is no higher ground than being with Jesus. So we battle from the high ground, a place of victory, and come against the enemy who has the low ground. And he can't come up to where we are. So you battle from a place of victory because Christ defeated the enemy. And he, the Bible says he crushed in his head. All the way back to Genesis, when the serpent tricked Eve, he said, the serpent will bite your heel, but you will crush his head. Who did he talk about? He was talking about Jesus. So the enemy is walking around the crushed inside of his skull where Jesus kicked his head in. And he's walking around. I like to picture him that way. He's not some powerful, evil devil with big horns and muscular body. No, he's a wimp and a coward with a crooked face because God kicked his face in. And you need to be reminded anytime he tries to come after you, ask, how's your face doing? Last time I checked, Jesus kicked it in. So get out of my face. I'm tired of seeing you. You need to remind him where he belongs. We fight from a place of victory, so stand firm in this. Verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done this, to stand firm. Next week we're going to dive into part two of this, the armor of God, what it is, how we apply it, and what it does for us. But I want to leave you with a practical step as you're reminded that you, are, you belong to God, you are loved by God, and your identity is a child of God who bears the likeness of God and the light of God to a dark place. Be reminded of that. Walk in that. And the practical thing I want you to do this week has to do with this illustration that I heard, and I'm almost done. I was reading some commentaries, and one of the commentators was writing about a, a story he heard about a mental hospital that would run these 
uh, unusual exams to see who was ready to be released into the world. They needed to see if someone had been mentally, uh, had, had been treated well enough and had gone through the treatments long enough that they had been recovered from their mental illness. And they would do this unorthodox test where they would gather the, 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 the patients that were up to be released and they would send one by one into this room where they had a faucet running. And the water from the faucet was spilling on the floor. And they would hand them a mop in a bucket and say, mop up the water on the floor. And those who walked over to the faucet and turned it off first before mopping up, they said they had been rehabilitated and they're ready to be released. Those who were not ready would take the mop and begin to mop up the water and not even notice, not even notice the water was still running on the floor. And I think you and I, we all have the mental consciousness to know that we would always go and turn the faucet off first before we stop mopping up the floor. But as believers, we continue to do this day in and day out. Does somebody not have the mental capacity to turn off the faucet? Don't point at each other back there. But <laughs> it's a bad illustration. Hold on a minute. But some of us as believers... We do the same thing in our lives. So you and I have been given the mop of God's truth to mop up the evil all around our world, and yet we've not stopped the flow of evil in our own lives. And we wonder why we continue to find this stuff perpetuating itself time after time after time because we've not turned off the faucet. God is calling you to be an agent of grace and of light, but he's saying, turn off the things that you keep flooding yourself with first that continue to pollute the things I'm trying to do in you. Turn off the faucet. Somebody say, turn off the faucet. We've got to turn off the faucet, the flow that the enemy uses to distract, to destroy, to pervert what God is trying to do in us. You have your mop of truth. Begin to walk those things out. From the, from the standpoint of being a child of God, stand firm against the devil. And at the same time, begin to look at areas in your life where evil has been allowed to continue to flow and shut it off. If it's, if it's based on what you're watching, especially during this season of Halloween and what, you like to watch scary movies, but then you wonder why your kids are having nightmares and can't sleep and, because, and you wonder why you're anxious and you're not quite sure because there's been a flow of evil that's been welcomed into your home. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed. I'm just saying that, that for you to go where God wants you to go, you need to turn off some stuff in your life. You need to shut some things down that are not beneficial. I'm not afraid of suspenseful things. I'm not saying all things are bad, but you know what I'm talking about things that are advocating murder and terror and torture, stuff, just horrible stuff out there. Don't allow it into your home. The enemy thinks that's a nice foothold he can get into your life and bring some torment and torture to you. Shut it off. Are you listening to things that are causing you to feel down or depressed or angry or distraught instead of listening to things that lift you up and encourage you? Turn those things off. You don't need them. They're distracting you, and the enemy thinks, hey, that's my song. I love that. I can just weasel in and remind them of those lyrics when they're feeling low and, and try to bring depression and try to, bring some sti try to stifle what God is doing. 
So shut the faucet off. Turn it off. Get rid of it. You don't need it. One powerful thing that I would say to shut the faucet off, that turns the faucet off quickly, is your speech. Are you siding with the enemy? And you'll know that you're siding with the enemy with the way you speak when you're speaking poorly about people. When you, when you, you say, ah, they're dumb, or they're not intelligent, this, they're that, they're ugly, they're, they're horrible people. They're, that's, that's more the language of the devil than it is the language of the kingdom. Don't side with the enemy because he's the one who curses and accuses the brethren. Don't be a part of that. Shut the faucet off. Turn it off in your life because you are chosen, you are called, you are loved, you are equipped, you are the light of the world. So let's walk in that. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And lastly, as I close, we were challenged with a powerful word on prayer. That the desire of prayer would begin to stir in our hearts again. And you want to know what it looks like to prepare yourself for battle and to recognize your identity, that you are loved by God? It happens in prayer. Because the Spirit of God will come to you and remind you who you are. That you are loved that you are cherished, that you are called. If you're battling with those thoughts, if you're battling with, I don't think I measure up, I don't think I'm good enough, I don't think I, I am who he's saying I am, spend time in prayer. God will remind you. And after he reminds you, then he'll tell you what else he has in store for you.